great to see you. I want to take a moment just to pray for all of those who are involved in education. You've had two weeks off, which is sure has been a great blessing to those of you that are educators, teachers, work in schools, as well as children, having had a couple of weeks off. And uh, it's back to school tomorrow. Is that exciting? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the many dear folks here in our church that are teachers, that work in education. And I want to pray your special blessing upon them as they return to their profession tomorrow. Thank you for the incredible influence that each one of them can have upon a boy and a girl. Thank you that, Lord, our Christian teachers can carry your presence into the classroom. And I pray you will bless them, you will sustain them that they will be godly role models to every boy and girl that they have responsibility towards, and that, Lord, you will energize them and strengthen them and give them wisdom, particularly in these difficult days when education is so challenging in many ways. So I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your blessing upon every boy and girl, every young person, Lord, as they return to their studies this week, that, Lord, you will bless them, you will enable them, and that each day will be a joy to them as they're in their environment of learning. Now, Father, as we seek to understand something more of your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will give us that wisdom and understanding. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hope you've had a great Easter. It's been a good time, hasn't it? The weather's been generally okay. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was speaking on the subject of understanding how faith works. Well, I want to just... Uh, continue a little bit with that theme and share this morning understanding the value of the Bible. I think we take the Bible for granted in many respects, but do we fully understand God's intention and purpose in the scriptures that we have so freely available to us, particularly in this country and in many parts of the world? So, we're going to look at it together. I want to share a few facts just to start with. Okay, first of all, the Bible is the most sold book of all time in the world. You may not know that, but that is a fact. The Bible is still the bestseller, with uh, something like three quarters of a million sold uh, every year. The Bible is also the most read book in the world. And um, the Bible is also the most translated book in the world. There are over three and a half thousand languages that already have the Bible or some part of the Bible. And uh, I understand 5.9 billion people in the world have access to some portion of the Bible. If you go to a website called the Wycliffe Bible Translators, you'll get quite a bit of information there about the incredible work that they have been doing for many years, translating the Bible into different languages and dialects uh, around the world. Uh, also, I uh, heard something just recently from Dr. Patrick Dixon, who is a Christian futurist as well as a medical doctor. He said that 40% of UK adults say that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's good news, isn't it? Really is in our secular times. And also, 24% of people in the UK 
came to know Jesus by reading the Bible. The American president, Abraham Lincoln, he was the 16th president of the USA, he made this great statement uh, back in the 1800s. He said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. Great statement. So let's just think for a moment, what does the Bible say about itself? Because that's quite important. And um, another name for the Bible in the scriptures is the Word of God. And we had a couple of scriptures read to us just now by Roxana. But let me just flash up a few for you. Psalm 119 verse 9 was read to us. How can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word. We live in a world where there's so much temptation around. So much influence to cause us to live lives that are not good for us. But if we live according to God's word, we will stay pure in an impure environment. The Bible also says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The Bible also says, no one can live only by food. People need every word that God has said. Jesus said those words. But then also, it says in the scriptures that all people are like grass. Just have a look at yourself. You're a bit of a weed, really. Not much else. All of us are like grass, says the Bible. And our glory is like the flower of the field. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And then another couple of other scriptures. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. If you want to hear the truth, then read the Bible. And then also in Hebrews 4, that famous verse, the word of God is alive and powerful. That's why the Bible has outlived the test of time. Because it's alive, it's a living book. It's not a bunch of history. The Bible, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now, in case you didn't know, but I'm sure most of you will know, the Bible is not one book. It's a collection of 66 books. I've got a great song that goes through every book of the Bible. I won't sing it to you, but it might be good to teach it because if you learn this song, you will learn every single book of the Bible and you will learn them all in the right order. But we'll do that for another day, maybe. There are 66 books that make up the Bible. It contains history, poetry, prophecy, theology, Christology. It teaches us wisdom. It teaches us about worship. It teaches us how to witness. It shows us how to love. It shows us how to live. And do you know what? It shows us how to leave this world when our time comes. The Bible has four Gospels. It has 21 letters. It has 18 prophetic books. It contains 3.1 million characters, which is the equivalent of 788,280 words. And I've read them all on more than one occasion. And probably many of you have as well. Now, I want to just give you a little bit of a word about translation. 
Because we all have different translations of the Bible. We all have our favored ones. So I thought I'd give you just a little bit. Originally, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. And down through the centuries, godly men translated the Bible into the English language in particular. Sometimes they did it at the risk of their own lives. Today, we've got a huge choice of translations, but are they all good? No, somebody says. A couple of weeks ago, Peter was speaking on Palm Sunday, reading about the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and everybody shouted, Hosanna! Janice was looking at her Bible on her iPad and she was looking at the CEV version and everybody said, Hooray! I couldn't believe it. Hosanna means save us. I haven't a clue what hooray means. Those people were not shouting hooray. They were shouting save us. Save us from the Roman Empire. This Roman occupation, as Peter reminded us. Not all translations are accurate and helpful of the Bible. Now, the Bible was originally written the Old Testament in Hebrew the New Testament in Greek and Aramaic and those texts were taken and translated into Latin language and put into something that was called the Vulgate doesn't sound very nice but that was what it was called and one of these was supplied to every church and chained to the lectern and if you could read Latin you could read the Bible but otherwise you couldn't but then it got translated into English, particularly King James I in 1611 commissioned the translation of the whole Bible into English and so we have the King James version of the Bible. But other great people like William Tyndale in 1525, he began to mass produce the English Bible. John Wycliffe in the 14th century translated the first Bible into English. In the 16th century Martin Luther translated and printed the Bible on mass in German, particularly during the time of the Reformation. Now, I wanted to show you something that's called the dynamic equivalent. Don't want to bore you, but it's quite important. Okay, let's just look at this little chart here. All right. On the far left, you've got what is called the translation of word for word from the Hebrew or the Greek and the equivalent words in English. If you have an interlinear Bible, then you will have the Hebrew, the Greek, and the English all running together for every part of it. But then it goes across the Amplified Version, the English Standard Version, the King James Version, New King James. And then you get this middle section, the thought for thought, HCSB. That is not a bank. HCSB. When I looked at it, I thought, that's my bank, isn't it? But uh, no, it's not quite. It's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. But then you get this kind of giving thought for thought, the, the New American, the NIV. And then you get the paraphrased as it goes across, right ending up with the message. Those of you who love the Passion Bible, I don't know where that is. That might be off the scale. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, but, but this, is, this is how translations work. So some of you who love the King James and you love speaking Shakespearean language, do you talk to your wife like that? How art thou this morning, my dearest wife? 
Some people think the King James language is the most holy, Shakespearean. Um, it's a bit weird, but anyway. But that was what King James, that's how they spoke in their time. Well, there's a new King James where the these and the thous are not so common. But that's quite helpful to understand when you're looking at a translation of the Bible, because I love the message. It's really good. It's very earthly. It's very, you know, everyday language. But sometimes it can be a long way from the original meaning. And so we have to be careful sometimes, particularly if we're studying. But if you want to do serious study of the Bible, then you need to be looking at some of these translations that are on the left-hand side. If you want light reading, then you can be more to the right. But if you want to get the thought, the idea, what was being conveyed... In the original, then some of those translations in the middle would be the most helpful. Okay. All right, I'm not going to lecture you too much. This is what I want to look at, this verse from the Bible this morning. Okay, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's just break that couple of verses down and just try and understand together the value of the Bible. First thing that we discover from here is that the Bible is the inspiration of God. All scripture is inspired by God. What does that mean? Well, the word inspired is theonustos. Theo meaning God. New, you know the word pneumatic, a pneumatic tire. It literally means it's God breathed. That's what inspired means here. God breathed. Every writer of the 66 books of the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what they read, wrote. The Bible is not a product of elevated or superior intelligent human thought. It is directly God-breathed. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says. He says, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Literally, as God breathed his inspiration into these people, they then wrote the scriptures that we have. Now, this doesn't mean to say that the writers of the Bible were like robots being controlled. It's not some kind of automatic writing where they just put pen to paper and their hand magically moved. It's not that at all. If that was the case, then we wouldn't see the character, the personality, the strengths and the weaknesses, the emotional nuances that you get with every single writer of the Bible. The biblical writers were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write God's thoughts in a way that humankind could understand. And because the Bible is God-inspired, it continues to live. 
It continues to be relevant from generation to generation. The Bible still speaks today. Thousands of years after some of the texts were originally written. Why? Because it lives, it has the breath, the anointing, the presence of God within it. Atheists have tried to rubbish the Bible. Communists, dictators have tried to suppress it. Evolutionists have tried to deny it. Historians have tried to confine it to dusty libraries. Liberal theologians have tried to dilute it. Cynics have tried to make fun of it. But you know what Jesus said? Heaven and earth might pass away, but my word will endure forever. That's why the Bible is a unique, powerful, living, and dynamic it's inspired by God. But the second thing that we get from the verse that we're looking at is this, that the Bible is the instruction of God. Because it says, it teaches us to do what is right. How many of you here are parents? Okay, some of you have forgotten, but you are. How many of you have ever had to teach your children to be naughty? We have to teach them to do what is right. We understand that. Verse in the scripture when David said, in sin my mother conceived me. Not that she committed sin, but there is sinful tendency within the heart of each and every one of us. And we have to be taught what is right as opposed to that which is wrong. And so good parenting is about teaching our children to do what is right. This is why we have the Bible. It is God's instruction to us so that we will know how to live lives that are right, pleasing to him, and a blessing to others. The prophet Isaiah reminds us, all of us, like sheep, have gone our own way. Sheep are silly. They're quite tasty when they're on your dinner plate. But generally, they're, they're silly because if one sheep gets out of the field, the rest will follow. And they'll walk across the road and they'll do all sorts of stupid things. And Isaiah uses that analogy. But we'll just go our own way just like sheep. We have no sense of safety. We will get ourselves into all manner of messes. We like the idea of self-determination. The Frank Sinatra song, people often like to sing, I did it my way. We believe that our way is the best. We believe that we, we can decide and the popular notion that life is about me makes us think that I can work out all the answers because I'm a know-it-all. But the truth is we can't because we're all flawed by something the Bible calls sin. We are all broken people and we have a tendency to do what is wrong. Now, the Bible is God's instruction manual to teach us the difference between right and wrong. It teaches us what is true and what is false. And it shows us how to live a life that pleases God, blesses our neighbor, and will lead to personal fulfillment. There's wisdom in the word of God. Now, we live in times, as we know, where there's so much confusion. People are confused about what is morality. 
People are confused today about what is ethically correct. People are confused about sexuality. We're confused about politics. We're confused about what are right relationships. But the Bible, when we look at it and study it, will teach us how to live morally. It will show us what is good ethically. It will teach us what is right behaviorally, what is right sexually. It will teach us the best way to live relationally and to discover your true identity and destiny. But we have a choice. Do we use secular thinking to deconstruct biblical teaching? Or do we use biblical teaching to deconstruct secular thinking? Now, we live in a world that is filled with secular thinking. It's constantly pushed all the time. And the foundations of this nation were Christian, but they are rapidly being eroded by secular thinking, by the attitude that says we don't need God, we don't need any religious influence, we don't need to think that there is somebody outside of ourselves. We can determine and make up life as we choose for ourselves. And so you'll find that universities are looking at this. I heard something on the radio this morning that some university is carrying out some research and they say that people, jurors who take an oath on the Bible, are biased against somebody who's charged with a particular crime. I didn't grasp it all, but they were trying to deconstruct the authenticity and the value of taking an oath on the Bible. Now, years ago, nobody would have questioned that. But everything now is questioned. Everything is undermined that has a Christian value or a Christian foundation because our secular society thinks that we know better than the Word of God. As Christians, we are faced with this choice that we either let secular thinking deconstruct the scriptures or we apply the scriptures to secular thinking and say the word of God is true and it is the right way to live and to lead my life. You see, unless biblical truth is your foundation, you will drift through life without any certainty and have no security, spiritually speaking. Jesus said this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. If we listen to the word of God, if we apply the biblical truth to our lives, we will have a foundation that will not crumble. It will be safe and secure. That's what Jesus is saying. Elizabeth Elliot, she was the wife of a, a great missionary who went to South America and uh, gave his life to take the gospel to an unknown tribe. This is what Elizabeth Elliot said, and I love this statement. She said this, the word of God I think of as a straight edge, which shows up our own crookedness. We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of scripture. I like that. Such sense it makes. If you are aligning your life with the word of God, if you are aligning secular thinking with the scriptures, you will know what is right 
and what is wrong because it has that straight edge of righteousness and truth at the heart of it all the way through. You see, there's no better standard to align our lives to. The psalmist knew this wisdom and how the word of God would protect him when he said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. What wisdom. Or the CEV Bible says it like this, I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. When I was a boy of 16, I used to have a Vespa motor scooter. And uh, I remember one summer, I used to go up to London to Earl's Court every evening to listen to the American evangelist, Billy Graham. He had a month-long uh, campaign in London. He was an anointed and a gifted preacher. And, and this is what Billy Graham said. If you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. And I remember listening to Billy Graham, and he had this line where he constantly in his preaching would say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. It was all that he preached. It was the truth that he constantly delivered. And this statement is so true. If we are ignorant of what the Bible teaches us, then we're going to be ignorant of God's will, plan, and purpose for our lives. The Bible must be our final authority. Particularly in these days of secular thinking, when people want to just discard the Word of God, we need to uphold it firmly. We need to declare its truth unashamedly, and we need to live out its reality daily. When Joshua was given the responsibility to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses had died. In Joshua chapter 1, he has given this word of instruction. Study this book of instruction. Now let me tell you, Joshua had the first five books of the Bible. That's all he had. But the command to him was study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then... Will you prosper and succeed in all that you do? There is no greater wisdom to align your life to than the truth of God's word. So the Bible is inspired by God. It is the instruction of God. But just to end with this morning, the Bible is God's preparation for good and godly living. Because says in our verse, God uses his word to prepare and equip us to do every good work. You see, because the Bible is the living word of God, it will continually speak to us. If you want to lead a good life, read the Bible regularly. Do you read the Bible on a daily basis? Some people only open a Bible when they go to church on a Sunday. If you only had one meal on a Sunday, you'd be hungry the rest of the week, wouldn't you? The Bible is our spiritual food. And we need to constantly read it. I know there are some bits that are hard and difficult. Well, you can skip them. But read those truths that are full of meat and 
substance. The book of Proverbs is filled with brilliant wisdom. The book of Psalms is filled with so much daily encouragement. The New Testament, you learn the truth that Jesus came to bring. There is so much in the Bible. If you are going to live a good life, read the Word of God because it will naturally be outworked in your daily living. It will guide you. It will equip you. It will sustain you. It will train you. It will prepare you. And this phrase, prepare and equip, rather interesting in the Greek language because it means the same as the way a lifeboat or a fire engine is prepared and equipped ready for the next call out have you ever had a fire engine not come because well we didn't fill up the tank or we got no water or the lifeboat not turn up because of some other problem no they are always prepared and ready Ambulances are the same. And that's the meaning behind this word. The Bible will prepare you. You will always be ready to face whatever situation you encounter if the word of God is filling your heart, mind, thinking. That's the idea behind the preparation and the equipping. That's what the Bible will do for us. Our late queen made a brilliant statement when she said this, to what greater inspiration and counsel can we turn than the imperishable truth to be found in this treasured house, the Bible? She lived by it. What a difficult job she had in so many ways, but she unashamedly held on to the truth of God's word. May we do exactly the same and a final word that comes to me when i understand the value of the bible and it's this when janice and i went to bible college one of the first lectures we were presented with this verse in 2 timothy be diligent to present yourself approved to god a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly teaching the word of truth will you stand with me please I don't know how good your study of the Bible is. It's a very personal and private journey. But if you've not read it lately, can I encourage you to get into the scriptures again? There are many helps online. I know of people who have apps that help you with daily readings. And there are many useful resources that are available to us today just so that we can actually read the scriptures. Do you know how you form a habit? Do the same thing for 21 days and it will be a habit. Do any of you forget to breathe? No, it's a habit. It just happens naturally. And we need to be like that so far as the word of God is concerned. Make it our daily refuge. Make it our daily food. Listen to it different means we've got so much available to us now you can listen to the bible on audio you, you, you can get all these different apps that guides you as to what to read on a daily basis and i know we're busy people but we can all make time if we organize our schedule